to the Diabetes Revolution podcast with Dr. Sarah Townley, the type 2 diabetes coach, clinical pharmacist, and mom of six angels. You don't have to struggle and fight with your blood sugars for the rest of your life. I'm here to teach you the skills you need to control and even reverse this disease. There is such a thing as getting off your meds and creating a future free from diabetes, and you can have it too. Let's get down to business. Well, hello, my friend. So nice to see you back here today. I love being here in this space with you. It really brings me so much joy to be able to connect with you like this. I hope you're loving these podcast episodes. Today I'm going to speak to a topic that is probably one of the most common questions that I get and that I see on social media posted, and it's about those pesky high blood sugar readings in the morning. So they are absolutely like a curveball, right? Like why in the world would your blood sugar be higher in the morning than it was when you went to bed last night? (laughs) Understandably, people get very perplexed by this, think that something terrible is happening and that they're doing something wrong and something awful is about to happen. And so this podcast is all about explaining to you the reasons for this. But first, I want to just tell you that if you're feeling a little frustrated with your body, if you're feeling like your body it has betrayed you, it's abandoned you, that it's your enemy. I just want you to notice that. Just pause and notice that you feel like you are at odds with your body. And then I want to tell you that your body is actually perfectly designed. It is doing exactly and responding exactly like it should be to its environment right now. And once you begin to understand how to care for it properly, it will begin to work properly. And right now that's what you're doing. You're trying to learn how to care for your body properly. And when you do that, I want to just encourage you and assure you that it will heal. Your body has this incredible resilience to it. It knows how to heal. I see it happen time and time again with my clients where they put in the work and they believe and believe it's possible. And lo and behold, their bodies begin to heal. What does healing look like to you? Well, to you it could be different from all of my clients and myself, but generally what we're talking about is seeing normal blood sugars, less need for medication, more energy and more vitality, and just feeling like you're in control again, that you have the confidence that you really want to have when it comes to your health and your future. Okay, so let's get back to that topic. What's up with those high blood sugars in the morning? For a lot of my clients, that's their highest reading of the day. And many of you want to know, why, what, how could that be? Like if you haven't eaten all night, what in the world is happening in the body? So I will just make one mention real quick before I get into the real most likely explanation is that there is the potential that you could be having something called Samoji. Okay, Samoji is probably not what most people are going to find to be the explanation for a morning high blood sugar. However, because it's such a safety issue, I just want to put it in there really fast. Samoji is when blood sugars tank in the middle of the night and then they rebound. Your body is doing its safety mechanism by which it will generate and dump a lot of blood sugar into the bloodstream in response to a low blood sugar that's happening in the middle of the night. 
This is not going to happen to you if you are not on medications that cause low blood sugars. So this is going to be happening potentially in people who are on insulin injections or are taking medications like glimepiride, gliburide, glipizide. Those are oral medications that increase the release of insulin in the body. So it's really with these kinds of medications that you have the potential to cause or precipitate a low blood sugar reading. And if that's happening in those hours when you're in deep sleep, if you don't wake up and treat it, your body does have the capacity to respond by pushing out a whole lot of blood sugar from the liver to essentially save your life. And so I will mention that that is a a very unusual explanation, but possible, especially if you're on medications. Now, for most of us, by and large, the reason why your morning sugars are high are going to be because of the Dawn effect. The Dawn effect is a completely different process that's happening in the body than the Samoji. The only way to know if you're having Dawn versus Samoji is to check your blood sugar in the middle of the night. Okay, If you've got a Freestyle Libre or a Dexcom, something that's continuously monitoring your blood sugars, you could see the trend in the middle of the night. That's another big advantage to a continuous monitor. But if you've been noticing high blood sugars in the morning and you just want to make sure because you're on medications that it's not Samoji, you can get up around 2 or 3 a.m. and just check your blood sugar to see is it high or is it low? Is it normal? What's going on? Because if it's low, like below 70 in the U.S. units, then it's possible that you're having a rebound. If you're showing up in the morning at 200 or higher or something that's just high for you, but your blood sugar when you checked at 2 a.m. was 62, then there's a probable uh, like opportunity there for Samoji to be at work. Okay, but for most of us, if we got up at 2 and 3 in the morning and we checked, you're going to see a blood sugar that's much like what you went to bed at or something that's pretty much in the normal range or something that's high. And if that's the case, when you're waking up at 200, then it's probable that you're seeing the dawn effect happening in the middle of the night, not a rebound to a low blood sugar like what happens in Samoji. Okay, so let's talk about dawn effect. So dawn effect, or some people call it the dawn phenomenon, is a natural, normal process that happens in the body that is happening based on the circadian rhythm and it is developed through evolution, okay? So it's a totally natural and normal response to the process of waking up in those early morning hours based on a sleep-wake cycle. And so what happens in most humans is that they, at around four o'clock in the morning-ish, they're gonna release a cocktail of hormones. And those include things like cortisol, uh, norepinephrine, growth hormone, And these hormones are being released intentionally. All humans that follow a normal circadian rhythm are seeing this happen around 4 a.m. And it's by design. The reason why our bodies do this naturally and innately is because most of us are in deep slumber around that time. And we're going to need to get up and get ready for the day and go out and in an environment that we evolved in that didn't include, you know, cushy beds and refrigerators and microwaves and drive throughs 
Like we're going to have to get up and get to work, right? We have to get up and start looking for food and preparing for our day and not going to be able to immediately reach for food and prepare food. And so if you think about waking up in the bush, you know, 2,000 years ago, which is what our ancestors did and how our bodies evolved, at 4 a.m., their body starts releasing this cortisol, norepinephrine growth hormone cocktail. And it is going to do some very important things to the human body. It's going to get you out of that deep slumber. It's going to increase your heart rate and your blood pressure. <clears throat> You're going to also see the the liver responding by releasing stored energy. And if you've been fasting all night, it's already in that mode. But these hormones are going to elicit an even more pronounced release because By design, your body needs to be fueled to get up out of sleep and go after the day. And so even in people who do not have insulin resistance and don't have diabetes are seeing a modest rise, maybe a few points rise in their blood sugar in response to this 4 a.m. release of hormones. And what we see is that the blood sugar rise is typically happening around 6 to 7 a.m. in most people. Now, if you're a person who has a little bit of a different schedule, you might see a delay in your dawn effect. You might see that number peaking like around 8 or 9 a.m., but for most of us, we're seeing it happening between 6 and 7 a.m. in response to that normal circadian rhythm. And this is not a bad thing, okay? However, if you wake up and you see a blood sugar reading that seems high to you and you can't explain why it's high, of course, you're going to be alarmed. You're going to be wondering what's going on. But once you understand that this is a normal process that every human body is designed to do, you can let go of that information as being bad news, okay? And that is a powerful switch in the mind. It's very helpful and it serves you to be able to see that number and understand what's going on in your body. Okay, so the next thing I want to talk about is, well, is this is this a good or bad thing? Okay, let's talk about that because I love to be able to sort of fertilize your the soil of your mind when you're interpreting or planting the seed of that blood sugar reading into it to be able to Use some critical thinking skills when you're looking at this number. So most people are going to look at that number and think, oh, geez, this is terrible. I, I got to do something about this. What can I do about this high blood sugar reading? It's a problem. Okay, first of all, that's a judgment. And I want you to understand that that judgment may or may not be true. So let's talk about why it might not be true. Because that sounds like a crazy idea, right? Like, why would you ever think your high blood sugar in the morning was good good news? <laughs> now, here's where I'm going to like flip things on you a little bit. So let's think about what's actually happening. If you did not eat anything because you've been asleep all night and you're seeing blood sugar that's higher in the morning than it was at night, you know where that blood sugar came from right? That sugar did not come from food. So where did it come from? It's coming from your own body, okay? Now, you need to go back and listen to what is happening in my body podcast to really maybe get some context around this, but I'm going to try to explain it to you in a Reader's Digest version right here. Your liver, if you have type 2 diabetes, is the first place that became insulin resistant. The reason is because 
Your liver is responsible for processing a lot of the nutrients that you eat in your food. And the what happens when you develop insulin resistance in the stage of the liver and the phase of the liver is that your liver has been dealt this very enormous job of trying to deal with all of these incoming nutrients that we're eating constantly throughout the day. And if you're eating a lot of refined carbohydrates multiple times a day over many, many years, your liver has been dealing with all of that intake, trying to process it, break it down, store a lot of it, and package it up and ship it out to be stored in other places. Now, if you're eating refined carbohydrates, your liver is actually storing a large amount of that as fat. And it is all because we only have a certain amount of glucose we can store in the form of glycogen. Once we reach the capacity of the amount of glycogen we can store, the liver starts making fat with all of that extra energy that you're eating. And this is by evolution, this was an important function. We needed to be able to take, in times of plenty, extra energy and store it on our bodies in the form of body fat so that when we didn't have food around us, we had a storage that we could access to fuel ourselves through times of famine. So if your liver is in a way, grand central station for dealing with most of the nutrients that you've been eating and you've been consuming a diet that has been rich in refined carbohydrates and you're eating that multiple times a day and most over the span of most of the days of your life, your liver has a pretty big job and it's trying to store and process and package all of this extra energy. And what happens in that process for people who develop insulin resistance is that they begin to store a lot of that fat inside of their livers. They become, they develop fatty liver. Fatty liver is almost always preceding insulin resistance and type 2 diabetes. Okay, And so the liver literally runs out of space. It can't accommodate much more of those nutrients that keep flooding into the system. So that is why insulin resistance starts to take hold, is simply that the liver is overwhelmed and is running out of space. Now, imagine you're asleep at night, and you're now in a fasted state, And your liver gets the green light to let go of stored energy because it's time to fuel yourselves with the stores when you're not eating. It's it's a wonderful design. But if your liver is literally bursting like it's like a full balloon that can't fit any more air in, when it gets the opportunity to let go, that air is just going to come rushing out. That sugar just comes rushing out into the bloodstream. And Understand that this is also in response to those hormones, not just the fasting, but the hormones of the dawn effect that are provoking this release as well. And so what happens is your liver gets the opportunity to liberate a lot of that stored energy. And this is not a bad thing. It's necessary. It's a means to an end because as you begin to free up a lot of that space that needs to be open and available for more incoming nutrients, you, in a small way, reverse insulin resistance, okay? So your liver gets to empty out, and it's not able to empty out all of its stores over just one night. 
And this is why you see the Dawn effect happening over and over again, even through the process of reversing diabetes. And however, if you understand that that's what's actually happening, you can stop judging those morning highs as being a problem. Maybe they're actually a sign that you just have more work to do, that your body is releasing stored energy, and that is a good thing. Because the next logical question that people ask me when they learn about the Dawn Effect is, well, what can I do to stop it? What can I do to see better numbers in the morning? And I can give you some tips of how to do that, but understand that when you do that, all you're really doing is attenuating or reducing the release of that stored energy, which for people who want to heal their livers and reverse fatty liver and reverse insulin resistance, isn't necessarily uh, like lending itself to your ultimate goal, okay? Does that mean you should let your blood sugars just run rampant as you fast and as the dawn effect takes hold? No, I, I mean, if you're feeling bad because your blood sugars are high, that's a separate problem that you can address, right? But I just don't want you to be looking at your Dawn Effect high blood sugar numbers in the morning and thinking that you've got a new problem or a worsening problem. It's just a sign that your liver is able to liberate the stored energy that has in a large, I mean, essentially caused the insulin resistance at the level of the liver. Okay, so Let's just talk about a couple tips that people can use to improve their morning blood sugars if they're seeing the dawn effect and that's what they want to do. There's nothing wrong with it. I'm not judging whether you should or shouldn't do that. I'm just trying to give you all the information that you need to make decisions for yourself because that's how I roll. Okay, so some things that people do when they want to see better numbers in the morning because they know they're having the dawn effect one is to eat a like fatty protein, like natural fat or protein snack in the evenings before bedtime. Okay, so we're talking about like celery and peanut butter, or celery and cream cheese, or some nuts, or some cheese and a few crackers. But you're, what you're going to want to do is not go for carbs. <clears throat> you're going to want to go for something that is like protein and fat and even more natural fats than protein is probably what I would choose to do. And what we've noticed and what the science shows is that even repeating this in the middle of the night seems to help as well with that, you know, pronounced and elevated blood sugar in the morning from the dawn effect. <clears throat> Another thing that some people see to be or found to be helpful is to take a little apple cider vinegar before bedtime. You can dilute it or you can just drink it straight. You're going to want the apple cider vinegar that has the mother in it. Um, That's those floaties. So the Bragg's brand does contain the mother in the apple cider vinegar. Um, I will tell you that drinking apple cider vinegar every day can be hard on your tooth enamel. So you want to, if you're going to use it regularly, you can avoid that by just drinking it through a straw. Okay, so the third thing that I will tell you can be helpful for the Dawn Effect is to do a little bit of light exercise in the morning before you check your blood sugar. Like that's a total logical, natural way to soak up some of that sugar that's in your bloodstream from the Dawn Effect, and it helps bring it down a little bit faster as well. Um, So you could just 
decide you're not going to check your blood sugar before you do a little bit of light exercise or even before you have a little bit of breakfast, you know, for some of us. So um, it's up to you, but those are some tools that I know have been useful for people when they've been successful in seeing less of the Dawn effect if that's what they want to do. And then the last thing I want to talk about real quick is the question of, well, when does it go away? Because the people that I work with in my membership or one-on-one, they really want to see that resolve, right? It's one of the like last things that will actually resolve when you reverse your diabetes. Now, how long does it take? Super variable. The answer to that is highly, highly individual. When I have polled groups of people before that have reversed their diabetes and just observing in my clients, the Dawn effect is the last thing that typically disappears and it can take weeks for some people take months for some people, and take years for some people. So why is that? Well, it really just speaks to the individual expression of insulin resistance, okay? And the intensity of the interventions that are being used to reverse diabetes. So let's talk about that a little bit more in detail. Everyone's insulin resistance is can be very individual. It's like a fingerprint, I've heard it described. You know, how your body manifests this disease of insulin resistance is not the same as the next person's. Imagine all the different tissues in your body that become insulin resistant and how severe is the insulin resistance. It's going to be quite individual. The second thing that really can play into this that makes it very unpredictable or individual is how intense are you in going about reversing your diabetes. Some people want to take it kind of slow, right? They want to lose weight slowly. They want to make changes to their diet very slowly. They're not really ready to incorporate any kind of movement yet. Um, and Or they're struggling a lot with overeating and they really need to get a hold of their relationship with food before they start to make big changes to their diet. And some people are like, just they don't have the commitment to make drastic changes to the diet. And that's okay. Because I always advise people to go about this in a way that is sustainable, meaning that we're not really going for a temporary fix here. We're going for a lifelong fix. We want to find the strategy that's sustainable for a lifetime. Because whatever it takes for you to reach your goal is what it will take for you to keep your goal. So we only want to make changes in your lifestyle that you can imagine continuing doing for the foreseeable future and possibly forever. And so some people go slowly with their changes. There's nothing wrong with that. And then you have other people who just want to go all out. They, they are extremely committed and driven and ready to let go of all kinds of things quickly and rapidly. And they just change a lot of things quickly. Okay, and those people are very intense about their interventions. You know, they're going to start fasting hardcore, you know, go keto and then like start working out at the same time. Like a lot of people can't manage that, don't want to do that. There's nothing wrong with that, right? There's nothing wrong with a person who wants to do that. Nothing wrong with a person who doesn't want to do that. But for the person who does want to be that intense with their intervention, they're going to reverse their diabetes a lot faster, right? Like if you look at some of the programs that use fasting primarily to reverse diabetes, like they're jumping in with multiple day fasts. They're healing diabetes rapidly. People are getting off of 100 units of insulin a day in just weeks because the fasting is so effective. Um, And so 
For those people, if they're fasting hardcore like that, they're going to see their dawn effect disappear a lot faster than a person who's just eliminating refined carbs to start for, you know, this first several months of their um, of their intervention or their effort. And so that's why that can take quite a while for some people and for others, it can be a very rapid resolution. Okay, so I hope that this uh, answered most of your questions around the dawn effect and really answered that question of why is my blood sugar so high in the morning and what do I wanna do about that? Okay, and so now just real quick, I'll share with you an idea of something that you can fix and eat that I ate over the weekend just because it's kind of fun to share those ideas with you and I know most people are open to hearing So this past weekend, I made a whole lot of bacon because I made BLTs for my family one night. And those BLTs were that I prepared for myself just didn't include the bread. Now, I do have keto bread, but I just love them in the lettuce cups. So I put plenty of mayonnaise in there. I know it's a lot of fat, right? Um, We need to do a podcast all about fat and why fat is good for us, but... Um, I put a p- plenty of mayonnaise in there. I put my um, my tomatoes that were fresh because we do have some from our garden and we're always trying to find yummy ways to fix and eat our tomatoes. And so I put those tomatoes in those lettuce cups and salt and peppered them. I put cucumbers in there. I laid plenty of bacon in my lettuce cups. And then I put some fresh jalapeno slices on there. And I put a couple of those on my plate and had so much fun. I enjoy those so much. And I hope that you do too. It's super simple and very satisfying. All right. I will see you guys next time. Thanks for joining me on this podcast. I'm loving every minute of it. And I hope that you got some information that really helps you find some peace today. High five for tuning in with me today. You are getting smarter and stronger when you show up for yourself this way. You can get more free tools to help you control type 2 diabetes on my website, sarahtownley.com. And if you're serious about ending your struggle with diabetes, join my membership, The Diabetes Revolution, where you work with me in a community of people just like you. See you on the next episode.